Hello, my name is Eric, and I'm here with my wife, Leslie, and Pastor Sean Sawyers. We welcome you to the Home in Him podcast, where we bring home the joy of the gospel and help families live as new creations in Christ. This is part two of of a three-part series on reading the Bible the way the Bible wants to be read. To read the Bible the way it wants to be read is to see that Jesus is the message of all Scripture, both in the Old and New Testaments. Today, we continue our conversations with Sean as he talks about two to three tools we can use that help us read the Bible to our families so that Jesus is always seen. So in the class, you had talked about uh, really three ways of reading the Word that help to deliver and keep us thinking in a biblically theological way. Um, these are very practical tools that uh, that you can use to to when you're reading the Word, it forms like a grid in mm. how you read the Word to bring out these aspects of the message of Scripture, you know, to your kids, so that they're always seeing you know, the message, which is Jesus and his plan of redemption uh, through the time that you're spending reading the word to them. So, Sean, you can begin with any one of the three that you uh, would prefer, but uh, let's look at these. Okay, yeah, so we have seed theology, we have typology, and we have um, a kingdom focus. And I guess we'll start out by looking at seed theology. So this is a technical term, basically... If you look at Genesis 3.15, right after the fall, God comes to Adam, Eve, and the serpent, and he addresses all of them. And in Genesis 3.15, he addresses uh, directly to Eve, and he basically says to her that I will um, put enmity or intense hatred between you and the serpent. And then he says between your seed and her seed. Now, most modern translations, I think the NIV says your children. I think the ESV says your offspring. But it's the word seed. And so theologians um, have called this seed theology, where from the very beginning, God has promised that one would come from the woman. The seed of the woman would come and would crush the head of the serpent. And it's really poignant because right there in the text, um, God says he will, he starts addressing the serpent. Then he says, he will crush your head but you will wound his heel. And so from the very beginning, there's this promise of the snake crusher coming, the promise of the he. And so start with one of the primary things about seed theology is it helps you understand that the scripture from that moment on, the scripture is about he is coming. In fact, we could say the rest of the Old Testament from that point Mm -hmm. is under the outline heading of he's coming. And then the four gospels are under the under the heading of he's here. And then the entire rest of the New Testament is under the context of so what? What's it mean that he's come here? And so that's really what the seed theology is about, that from the very beginning, God has said the seeds are going to hate each other, and one's going to come from the seed of the woman to crush the serpent. And so as you look, you see from the very beginning, these two seeds go to war. Cain killed Abel because Cain was of the seed of the serpent. And that's not my subjective opinion. The book of Hebrews says that. I can't remember off the top of my head where it is, but Hebrews says Cain was of the evil one. And so we see from the very beginning, Satan believed the promise that one would come from Eve to crush him. He thought maybe it could be Abel. So he had his person, his seed, kill Abel Mm -hmm. before Abel could crush his head. Mm -hmm. 
And you see the rest of the Old Testament is Satan trying to stop the coming of the he by trying to stop the seed of the woman, the people of the woman, from the very beginning. Now, you used a an illustration that I think was very helpful. Okay. I know our kids still remember. This was a year ago, I yeah. think, that John taught this. The kids still remember um, the acorn. Oh, yeah. And so that, I think, is a, a very practical tool that we can use with our children to understand how the cohesion of Scripture, how Scripture right. folds in together very nicely. It's a very simple. You yeah. can probably figure it out just listening. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I'd like for you to, to address sure. that. Okay. So guys, if you're listening, I want you to imagine the life cycle of an oak tree. Like from an acorn all the way through until another acorn falls off that mature tree. Now I want you to imagine you're an alien from a different planet who's never seen a tree before. An oak tree specifically. And you see an acorn. That's all you see. And you study this acorn. And, you, and you, you realize it's the seed of a plant, that's all you know. And then you find a very small seedling from that, and you see the next step in that life cycle. And then the next step is a sapling. And then the next step is an immature tree. And then the next step is a fully mature tree. And the next step is that tree produces acorns, and those fall off the ground. And, it, as you, and so now you fully understand what an oak tree is when you, from the perspective of the second acorn. From your perspective of the first acorn, you weren't wrong. Your, your understanding of the tree was incomplete. And then as you saw each progressive step of its life cycle, you understood more about the whole. And so the point of the analogy is, is that part of the progressive revelation of Scripture, the one story, is that the Holy Spirit reveals more and more of this plan for the he throughout Scripture. So basically, you know, Abraham knew a little bit more than Adam. Moses knew a lot more than Abraham. Isaiah knew more than Moses. And here's what's crazy is that by the Holy Spirit, because we now have the Word and we have the Spirit in us who helps us understand the Word, we know more about God's promises than Moses did, than Isaiah did. Because you and I as Christians standing post-resurrection of the He who came and crushed the serpent at the crucifixion, we are standing at the perspective of the second acorn. And so we get to look back through the whole of the Bible and see it from the perspective of completion. We understand the Old Testament in a way that the people in the Old Testament never understood completely, only had inklings and whiffs. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. What, uh, what you're sharing about uh, reading the Bible, how it wants to be read, is, as we've seen, it's such a more exciting way of reading the Word, not that that's a reason in and of itself, but mm. I mean, you know, God is interested in our joy, and, and His Word is just, it's, it's the source. It tells us the story that is our joy. And one of the things that I have found, that I've told the kids that I've, I've had some aha moments, and I think this flows out of what Sean's been sharing, is uh, to sit down and say, kids... You know, the disciples and Paul, what what was the Bible that they had? Right. You know, all of it, what we are so clear about, you know, generally speaking, from the New Testament, all of that came through the Holy Spirit interpreting the Old Testament. So it was all there. I mean, that's what they had to work with was the Old Testament. Exactly. And so it's helpful to know that the New Testament writers... That's what they had. Mm. And yet this is what this is how they read it. This was the correct way of reading the word that they were able to to talk about Jesus in such clear ways. 
Yeah. So I that the whole idea of the seed theology, I think, is is a tool mm-hmm. you know, that we can remember and use in helping our kids and others. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about the family, but as you all know, that it's our heart that you know that this that families being strong is not an end in and of itself. But mm-hmm. families, I mean, we're all a part of the church. The church is what's eternal, not the family. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we have to keep that in perspective. And so our fa- the health of our families really should be uh, demurring to the health and strength of the church yeah, as the bride of Christ. So anyway, I, I went on a little bit of a tangent <laughs> making okay. that point. But I think it's important because it's easy to become cloistered. It is. And, it is. and that is not what we're called to. And frankly, a proper understanding of Scripture, the grace and mercy and love of God that we see when we look at the Scripture this way, compels us, right? It compels us like it compelled Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, you know, to serve, to minister, to be that ambassador of reconciliation. Because Paul saw all of this in the the Old Testament, Hmm. you know, as the Spirit that led him. So anyway, awesome seed theology. Why don't we talk a little bit about typology? Okay. Yeah. Typology is a little different. That's probably a word most people haven't heard of before. Um, It comes from the, the Bible itself. In the Greek language, the idea of a type is an imprint or a mark. Um, for those of you who are a little older, if you've seen um, Ben-Hur, there's that famous scene where he comes up and the Roman soldier who arrested him years before sees him now as this kind of prince-type person. He goes, you're not Judah Ben-Hur. He goes, are you familiar with his seal? And he takes his ring and he jams it into clay. And the whole, the imprint is a type. Mm-hmm. And the ring would be the anti-type. So the ring's the original, and the whole the, the left is the type. And that's the idea of typology, is that there are things that happen that foreshadow a greater and deeper reality. This is in the Bible, when, when um, so-called doubting Thomas says, unless I see the mark in Jesus' hands, I won't believe with the word there is this type. I think it's Romans 5 where Paul talks about how Adam was a type of Christ. And so these things are right from Scripture. We're not just making this up. And so the point of this is that these are things that were put into the Scriptures for the New Testament church reading back through the fulfillment of Christ to see that the other people wouldn't be able to see. That's a really complicated answer. But the point of this, if you're home trying to read the Bible with your children, is that you can have confidence that when you put Jesus in the Old Testament to help your children see the beauty of the gospel in the Old Testament, you're being faithful to how scripture wants to be read. Like for instance, one time when Jesus was challenged by the religious scholars, he was asked to give a sign. I can't remember where this is. I think it's in Matthew. He said, I'm not going to give you, this generation gets no sign, but the sign of Jonah. And then he goes on to say, just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days, so too the son of man must be in the belly of the earth for three days. You know, and, and that's an example of typology. And why is it typology? Well, it's not allegory because the difference in allegory is that allegory is usually fictional. At least one side is fictional. And the other thing is I would say in most conservative you know, theologians, pastors, scholars would say there's no allegory in the Bible. Um, so it's not allegory, but Jonah was a historical figure. Christ is a historical figure. There's notable correspondences between their two lives. And here's the biggie with typology. There's an intensification. And what I mean by that is, like Jesus said, just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale, so too the Son of Man. Jonah didn't die, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. there's an intensification of what happens. Mm-hmm. And there's also a little bit of intentionality 
once you understand the second sign. So you like you read the story of Jonah, there's nothing that would make you say, oh, this is some sort of prophecy about the future, right? Typology doesn't seem like it's predictive it's mm. predictive at mm-hmm. all until the fulfillment happens and then you can see, oh, mm-hmm. Jonah was an echo of the overarching reality that Jesus Christ would come mm-hmm. and die and be born again mm-hmm. and be raised again and born again. Mm-hmm. So it's an it's an echo of, of, of a spiritual reality. Mm-hmm. And again, that sounds very complicated, but the point is, is that as you're reading this with your children, you can be confident when you read Jesus back onto the Old Testament. You're doing faithful biblical work. You're reading the Bible like it wants to be read because the Bible is about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Adam historical Adam in Genesis was the first Adam. We know that Jesus is the second Adam. Right, exactly. Uh, you read about, you know, there's so many uh, relations that you can make between biblical characters, you know, like Noah, particularly Abraham mm-hmm. and Joseph. You know, so much time right. is spent in Joseph. Well, who was, you know, who was Jesus? Well, Jesus was like Joseph in that he was despised and rejected by his own family. He wasn't killed. He was figuratively killed by his brothers. But Jesus, of course, was killed. He was rejected and killed. You can go you can go to a lot of the main figures right in the Old Testament and you can mm-hmm. make a correspondence yep. with Jesus. Yeah, another example of how the Bible wants you to read it this way is like um around Christmas time we always read the, the the accounts out of Matthew and we read that um, verse from the Old Testament where it says out of Egypt I called my son right and we see oh wow, oh, wow it's predictive well actually it wasn't predictive because that's a quote from Hosea 11 hmm. which in, in Hosea's time it was looking back to the Exodus hmm. God was making a promise to his people in Hosea's time and he used the Exodus hmm. as proof of I will do this so there was nothing predictive about in Hosea, nothing in Hosea was looking to the future. Hmm. Yet under inspiration, Matthew saw, oh, wow, this pattern of God bringing his son out of Egypt is ultimately has always been about Jesus and was fulfilled mm-hmm. in Jesus. So Matthew says, under inspiration, out of Egypt, God called his son. Mm-hmm. You know, again, that's that's technical, but it gives you, it, I, w- I want parents to have the, the, the assurance and the foundation that the Bible is about Jesus. And so when you see echoes of Jesus in the Old Testament, you're not bringing in your subjective interpretation. You're reading the Bible like it wants to be read. You're Mm -hmm. finding the main character who's always been Mm -hmm. in there. Yes. I think that's awesome. The two tools that Sean presented in our podcast today are seed theology and typology. The concept of the seed helps us see Jesus as we trace the promise that God made to Adam and Eve after their fall all the way till its fulfillment in Jesus. The concept of typology helps us see how Old Testament figures point to Jesus. Reading the Bible, especially the Old Testament, using these tools helps open the Bible up in ways that are both exciting and simplifying. In part three of the series, we will look at the third tool that helps us read the Bible the way the Bible wants to be read. Until then, I'll end, as I always do, reminding you that because you are a new creation in Christ, you can walk faithfully.